0: this is lisa and if you want to catch up with me on twitter you can find me at iltm podcast i've also got an instagram i love that movie podcast and if you want to help us keep the lights on you can support us on patreon Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash i love that movie all one word and uh, i want to take a couple moments to thank our top patrons chris balga jeff widman Michael Cross and Joseph George. Again, thank you guys so much. Uh, We've also got a Teespring if you want to buy some swag. We've got a Discord and a Facebook group. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, last two quick plugs. We've got a couple live shows coming up in March uh, at Alcon. I've got two panels this year. One at 9 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, Christopher R. Mim and uh, Michael Cross are joining me for The Creature of the Black Lagoon. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and we are also going to have the uh, same crew on Saturday at 11 a.m. We are going to talk about the movie Them. So uh, if you guys haven't been to a live show before, they are super fun. We always have a Q&A at the end, too, so the audience gets involved and you could be on the show potentially. So uh, looking forward to that. And I have a new guest with me here today. I've got Jay Yaz from the Comics Now podcast. Say hi, Jay.
1: Hey, everyone. And thank you for having me, Lisa.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jay, this is your first time on the show, so I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit to the audience.
1: Uh, I, uh, My name is Jay, like uh, like you said, and I am a native Texan like yourself. In fact, we've <laughs> run into each other a couple of times at some yeah. uh, conventions around here, so that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, And uh, like you said, I am the co-host of the Comics Now podcast uh, with Brian Warshaw, and we um, also have a website, comics... .com where we talk about what you would think we talk about comic books and you know <laughs> the industry and just books and uh, creators that that we like and um, everything so that's uh, uh, just typically what we do over there
0: very cool I was listening to your uh, 2019 recap today I feel a little uh out of the loop because I have not kept up with uh, comics the way I had a couple years ago so I'm like man there's just so much stuff out there it was cool listening to you guys recap all that
1: yeah and I mean let me tell you I mean it, I, <laughs> we read a lot of stuff and it barely scratches the surface So <laughs> I know so,
0: it's, it's a great time for comic fans seriously. yeah abs-
1: absolutely but uh, I, I don't blame you for feeling I mean You didn't use the word so much, but even being like overwhelmed with how much to choose. (laughs) But yeah, there's there's stuff out there for everybody to enjoy. So that's uh, uh, that's what's so great about, uh, uh, like you said, about the time right now for for comic books and and um, in everything of that sort.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, saw that you guys, uh, or I heard rather that you guys <laughs> go to uh comic con and, uh, also New York comic con too. uh, San Diego and New York. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I went to, I've gone to, uh, San Diego the past couple of years, uh, cool. with, with some buddies from, uh, the Batman com. Oh, okay. That's actually how I got involved in writing on the internet and getting into podcasting and everything was that. And, um, I've gone out there with a uh, with a few friends there. Brian actually lives in the like northeastern United States, so he's gotcha. a lot, okay he, he's a lot closer to New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, I heard him say like something to the effect of you know I'd like to get into the city and I'm like, oh, whenever someone <laughs> says that they mean New York, yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. very cool. well, uh, our guest always chooses the movie, so what movie did you pick today? Uh,
1: so since I am always talking comics and everything, I'm going to stay completely on brand, and <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, my favorite movie of all time, which is uh, 2000's uh, Almost Famous, written and directed by Cameron Crowe.
0: That is awesome. So you didn't know this until you picked it, but this is a movie I have seen like countless times i yeah. actually really love this movie so e-
1: excellent and and for listeners out there it has next to nothing to do with comics so that was totally <laughs> a
0: joke yeah speaking of that i'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis really quick and then we'll get into like when you saw the movie and all that good stuff too i hope so this real is quick. a good one i hope this yeah. is
1: uh, an imdb <laughs> one because those are those are gems
0: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they're good Sometimes they're pretty off brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hit or miss. Um, but, guys, you know, as always, this is not a f- spoiler free podcast. So, I would go ahead and watch this movie first. I highly recommend it. It's actually free right now on Amazon Prime if you're listening to this currently. So, but here we go. Set in 1973, this chronicles the funny and often poignant coming of age uh, story of William, an unabashed movie fan or music fan. <laughs> I think that was a little bit of a slip just thinking yep. about myself, uh, who is inspired by the seminal bands of the time when his love of music lands him an assignment from rolling stone magazine to interview an up-and-coming band stillwater fronted by lead guitar Russell hammond and lead singer jeff babe william uh, he embarks on an eye-opening journey with the band's tour despite the objections of his overprotective mother
1: that's pretty good yeah
0: uh, not too bad not too far off <laughs> yeah
1: and i mean it's a movie that's it's not really plot heavy. It's more, exactly. like, it's more like a lot of uh, uh, vignettes and various scenes, like a slice of life, just stuff that, that happens mm-hmm. uh, to William and everybody that he comes across. So having an ABC plot synopsis maybe wouldn't uh, do it any favors. But yeah, I thought that was pretty good.
0: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say slice of life. Well, um, so when did you first see this movie? Did you see it in theaters or at home?
1: Now it, um, it's 20 years old this year. Gosh. That's so insane. I know. <laughs> and, um, I was a, um, let's see, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, it was probably like between my freshman and sophomore, maybe sophomore and junior years in high school. So yeah, I
0: think I'm about the same right there with you.
1: Yeah. I didn't. So I didn't get to go to like movies by myself a lot or even R rated movies by myself a lot. <laughs> um, I didn't see it in theaters, uh, and I re- but I do remember seeing the trailer, and yeah. thinking it was pretty cool, uh, pretty cool looking. And um, I remember uh, seeing the trailer, and I think I even heard about the the big kind of showstopper tiny dancer scene. Yeah,
0: um,
1: I heard about that, and I was like, oh, this this looks like a pretty good movie. Um, so when it came out on video um i wanted uh, uh i wanted to rent it so we went to to blockbuster yes. as as we did back then <laughs> and um funny enough uh i may be misremembering things or maybe wanting to make a better story of this than it actually was but <laughs> i don't think they had it on DVD, like all the DVD copies were checked out. So oh, I, had, I
0: hated that. You're like, so, no. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I had to rent it on VHS. But it's okay nice. because that was still around the time when, I mean, that's what people had more than anything was VHS. I, right. I don't even think I got a DVD player until like the previous Christmas. So this would have been, you know, sometime in, let's say, like summer 2001. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd only had a DVD player for, you know, six months at that point. Uh, but I rented, I rented the tape and <laughs> took it home, watched it, really enjoyed it. Uh, not like I didn't think much else of it, but I mean, I was just like, oh, that was a really good movie.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I think just just over time, I, I, I bought it at some point, obviously, and watched it several more times. And it just kind of slowly dawned on me after uh, a repeat viewing is like, you know, I think this is my favorite movie. And Aww. it's... It's been that way ever since.
0: (laughs) When you said, this is a slight tangent, but when you mentioned, you know, getting your first DVD player or you hadn't had one yet, um, and so the the VHS, you know, was a good option. Um, I remember that the first Like important DVD that I had was a special edition of Fight Club, and it came in that wrapping paper like the soap, and um, and I remember just being so excited and watching like every single feature. I was like, "Wow, this is so cool! I can actually like watch all these features." Like I remember that being a big deal. So it's always fuzzy for me like when exactly that was. was. It was pretty soon after that movie came out, I think. But it's like every time I try to remember like did I see something on VHS or was it on DVD? That's like, some of those years are like fuzzy. Like, it's it's hard to remember and, and like pin down exactly. But I know I saw this movie with my mother and we rented it. And I, again, I'm not sure if it was on VHS or DVD, but I remember feeling very mature watching it. I was yeah. like, ooh, this is like a cool, you know, adult movie. Um, and my mom is like, you know, she's like, you're ready to be an adult. Like, that's how I felt. And, um, and I remember like really connecting with it and recommending it a lot. And just over the years, I've seen it several times. Um, and I just really enjoy it. So when you picked it, I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, go ahead.
1: No, no, I was just saying, I think you maybe had, uh, Uh, mentioned, like, a line from it or have referenced it on episodes before. And I I was almost like, I'm surprised nobody's picked that movie yet. So, uh, you know, when I I reached out (laughs) to you a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, I hope – you know, this is one that I mean. If if somebody had taken it, you know, I I have I, I had a couple of others, you know, that I gave you that I was like, <laughs> I'd be mean, more than okay. But it's like, you know, if it's the only chance that I get to to talk about this movie, then I you know I I want to talk about it now. So so I'm glad uh, I'm glad that you love it too, because you know it's always nice being able to talk about a movie that you love with someone who loves it as well.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned, too, that you were just making sure that there wasn't anything too controversial in it. And when you said that, I kind of forgot what you meant. And so I went back and watched it. And I even like Googled, you know, a couple uh, articles to see what people had concerns about. Um, But I think I, I, I can totally see somebody maybe nowadays watching this and having concerns about certain things. But I feel that I mean, okay, this takes place in 73. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to put these characters in their time. Um, I think there's been like maybe one or two things. Now they've done like a musical of this now. And there's maybe one or two scenes that they've changed. But I actually think overall the message holds up pretty well. And I think they do enough with some of the kind of dicey elements of it i feel like they address it more than i remember them addressing it so i i actually think it ages pretty well too
1: yeah and it's funny because one of the criticisms i've heard about the movie is that it doesn't go into like the uh you know i mean these are rock stars in the mid uh you know early 70s so it doesn't right. go into the you know sex and drugs of sex, drugs and rock and roll. Uh, It just kind of glosses over it, but it's like, well, I mean, it addresses it and it, uh, you can see that, you know, some of these choices that they made with the relationships with the people in the movie, even though it doesn't, you know, dive deep into the effect it has on them. It doesn't really, it, it doesn't really glorify them either. Uh, Uh, You know, it does say, uh, say that, you know, some relationships were damaged because of, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle. Sure. Uh, so, so it doesn't, you know, hand wave it away, but also that's not what the movie's about either. Right. So, so, so I, I definitely um, think that it handles it in a way, keeping it to where it's a very positive, upbeat movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: touching on the realities of that time. But again, I mean, it's th- what happened during that time in the world with, you know, people, um, uh, like this and this kind of, uh, uh, lifestyle. Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, make apologies for it but that that's not the point of the movie anyway right
0: so. our, our main protagonist is a 15 year old boy exactly. who's not in a band so we're seeing everything from his perspective and from his perspective from our perspective at that age this world is extremely enticing and I think you know that's what this story is about how he's drawn into that and he has uh, a story arc where he grows and he views the entire scene differently by the time he leaves because he's growing up and he's realizing things aren't always what they seem. And, you know, maybe it's not as glamorous as he once thought it was, but I mean, yeah, you don't have, I, I feel like we've seen so many movies that address like sex, drugs, and rock and roll to death. So it's kind of, I don't know, refreshing, like not to be beat over the head with that a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause it wants to tell a good story
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and I, and that's what it does. And it's, it's kind of funny because I, One of the things that I was kind of uh, one of the questions I was anticipating that he always asks is, you know, what keeps you coming back? What what do you really like about the movie? And, um, you know, I was I wanted to get a good answer. And the thing that I kind of realized this movie is about on this viewing, which I've watched this movie at least once a year since I first saw it.
0: Nice,
1: if not more. So I mean, that's you know, 2001 is when I first saw it. Um, I've seen it at least 19 times since then, <laughs> but I know I've seen it more, uh, more than that. But um, I, I it really didn't even dawn on me until I rewatched it the other day. Uh, wait, wait, ten, did you watch the uh, the theatrical cut or the untitled bootleg director's cut? <laughs>
0: Um, I'm pretty sure it's the theatrical cut. So I did own this at one time, but I think that I owned a non Blu-ray VHS DVD. And to be 100% honest with you, I would either have to dig through a couple of boxes, or I may have sold it. And I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna watch it on Prime. (laughs) I know I don't have special features, So it's like it just wasn't worth digging through to find that but i did own it i i would like to own it um again but yeah i, I just watched the prime one so i'm assuming that's the theatrical cut
1: yeah and i i watched a digital copy on vudu which is mm-hmm. just the uh, uh the theatrical cut as well okay. um i mean i pref- like it's it's like i prefer to watch the the director's cut just because there's so much added in uh mm. that it's just like it, it's just spending more time with you know these old friends at this point is kind of what it is sure. and just, more time with that, but also, you know, the theatrical cut is much easier to come across, <laughs> and that's the one that I figured you would be watching, and anybody who's you know listening and wants to go out and watch it, that's the one they'd be watching. So, so I watched that, but, uh, uh but anyway, uh, uh, back to my point that I was trying to no, make. No, of course. It wasn't uh, until this time that I watched it that I kind of realized that the movie is a like the theme of the movie is about wanting to belong. Cause yeah. everybody is uh, pretty much everybody in the movie is looking for you know, their place in the world, their place with others. Uh, that's why his sister goes off to become a stewardess, because she's looking for a place that she feels like she belongs, which is not at home with her mother.
0: <laughs> yeah, certainly Will- not for her. Will- <laughs> w-
1: William's trying to belong with these super cool rock stars. Yeah. But he's also being reminded in a... You know, kind of uh, cynical, but still, I'd say, ultimately loving way by his mentor, Lester Bangs. That's like, you know, you're not cool. You, you know, the, the, these people are cool, but they're not real. You're not cool, but you are real. Right. And, you know, just trying to warn him, don't become something that you're not just because this looks much more appealing. Right. Um, and even Penny Lane, you know, uh, always saying, you know, I'm gonna go to Morocco. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to college for one year. I'm gonna do all that. She's looking for where she fits and how she can take take herself and just uh uh just just find out where she belongs in this world, what mm-hmm. she's supposed to do. So, uh, like I said, I mean, it's been you know 19 years that I've watched this movie, and it just kind of dawned on me that intentionally or not, that that's kind of a theme for the movie. And I oh, think that's, sure. and I think that's something that we can all relate to because, um, even if we have, you know, lots of friends, lots of acquaintances, lots of opportunities to reach out, you know, to people, you know, we all, everybody wants to feel like, you know, they're welcome and, uh, welcome somewhere and belong with, you know, certain people. Um, so it's a, it's a universal, you know, kind of theme there that just kind of dawned on me.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think this time viewing it, one big thing that I walked away with was how, like, the theme that kept coming up for me was truth, because mm-hmm. you know one of the 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 lines that's always stuck with me is that part where Penny Lane keeps asking William over and over again how old he is, and mm-hmm. then he finally admits it. And she said, "You see, the truth just sounds different," and you know and then Lester he actually
1: tells the truth, yeah, right, <laughs> it, and
0: it's like. You know, I, I think that's a theme for the rock stars, too. They're, they put out this image. Um, they're afraid of him telling the truth mm-hmm. about them. And they see themselves a certain way, and that's not who they really are. And ultimately, I think William goes through that and Penny Lane goes through that. And it's like at the very end when everyone's finally who they really are, that's when they're actually the best version of themselves. Even though it's not perfect, even though it's not ideal, it's real, you know, and so it's like that, that is like a story arc that pretty much all the characters kind of go on, like finding out who they actually are, not who they wish they were, who they wish fans thought they were, who they wish other people thought they were, but who they actually are. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and, um, what, one, it, it took me several viewings to realize it too, just cause I, I guess I just never paid attention to the scene, but, um, uh, when they're at like the one hotel fairly early in the movie and Russell's telling William that he's progressed beyond the rest of the band yeah 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 Uh, like that never registered sorry that never registered with me um until i watched the movie several times and it was like oh even he feels like he is too good for these guys right you know he's being shackled and constrained by their limit which is funny because um the you know, the bass player and the drummer are actually musicians in real life. <laughs> so, um, uh, whereas Billy Crudup did a great job like pantomiming everything. Oh, for uh, sure. But uh, I think it was Mike McCready of Pearl Jam who actually recorded his guitar lines, mm-hmm. uh, his uh, his guitar uh, uh, parts and everything. And it was Peter Frampton that actually um, taught him to play. But you know, he's not a musician. But that that the one guy who's not a musician is the one who's saying he's better than the musicians, which is just kind of funny. But um,
0: right. And I think there's a theme in the in the story too of the fact that this Stillwater band, it's like. Um, Uh, There's that speech that uh, uh, Jason Lee's character earlier in the film has about like, you know, you know, who's uh, who gets on Rolling Stone, you know, the Beatles and like, uh, you know who we are. He's like, or, or there's also another scene where he's talking about how, you know, rock is everything. It's truth. It's this. It's that. And it's like, I think that they have all elevated themselves in their mind to like the level of the Beatles, which is not realistic. <laughs> and it's like at the end, I, I think they realize they're better off as a band. That's like a almost there, you know, yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, that's, that's, that's where they're at their best. There's a cap and they just, it takes them the whole movie to realize like, maybe we're not as important as we thought. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, it, and it's funny because, you know, the, the one part where, um you know, Rolling Stone is wanting William's story and he's Mm -hmm. freaking out because he doesn't know what to tell them because he hasn't gotten his like big interview yet. So he calls Lester and, you know, almost as like a snide, just kind of rolling off. He's like, tell them it's a think piece about a <laughs> mid-level band struggling, you know, with the, with the, um, the, the, their rise of their fame and stardom or, uh, you know, oh, whatever the line is. So he's saying that just to kind of, um, you know, say, I know that this is going to blow their minds at Rolling Stone, but that's <laughs> also kind of what's going, uh, what's going on with the band. is Exactly.
0: There- yeah. Yeah, that didn't dawn on me really until this viewing. I think maybe when I was younger, I, I saw them as more important than they are. Like, I just feel like the older you get, the more you kind of understand the themes of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, I had a couple of quick facts I was going to throw out there, too, before we start breaking down scenes and stuff. Um, the first one I had was that the uh, film director, uh, Cameron Crowe, semi. You know, this is a semi-autobiographical account of his life as a young Rolling Stone reporter. We kind of talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. that. Uh, And then the actual group that Crow first toured with was the Allman Brothers Band. Uh, Greg Allman distrusted him and kept asking him if he was a narc. Uh, Crow is in a near-fatal plane crash while traveling with the Who. And the character of Russell Hammond is based on Glenn Frey of the Eagles. Yep. (laughs) i'm sure you knew all that as the uh almost famous expert but uh Uh, Uh, interesting stuff
1: if if you get a chance uh and pick up the the director's cut uh like Mm -hmm. on blu-ray or whatever you'll probably find it at half price books for like six bucks (laughs) um he did a commentary with his mom
0: Oh, that is precious. I love it. it.
1: It's so fun because, I mean, they have a great rapport together. Uh, You know, there will be scenes where she kind of needles him a little bit. Like, I was not like that (laughs) uh, about, you know, Frances McDormand, who, I mean, just is always fantastic. I know. She's incredible. Um, but then there are other times, when she's like, "I remember us talking about that." <laughs> uh, so, so there were other things. So it's just really fun. the The scene later in the movie where some of the other band aids um, have some time with William. Uh, she asked yeah. him if this actually happened, and he quickly changes the subject. It's pretty yeah,
0: funny. <laughs> I would not want to have that conversation with my parents either.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty funny. But no, it's a really. It's uh, I've I think I've only watched commentary on a movie like all the way through like with two movies maybe three and this is one of them and it's it's a really good one.
0: Oh, I have to check that out I love commentary so that's my jam that sounds so good um you mentioned Peter Frampton earlier so Stillwater songs were written by Peter Frampton who also has a small part in the film uh Cameron Crowe and his ex-wife Nancy Wilson of the rock band Heart also The music acknowledgments credit Russell Hammond and Stillwater as if they were real authors and performers. Mm
1: -hmm. I love that. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I love uh, Nancy Wilson has some kind of interstitial kind of score music, which everyone talks about, you know, the the soundtrack, which is Mm -hmm. great, which I think is where like two-thirds of the budget went. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, I want to say it was like a $60 million uh, uh, budget, and like $40 million of it went toward uh, the soundtrack just with all the music choices they used. Um, so, I mean, there's some great music in here, but even... Um, uh, like when they get off the plane uh, there's just like this really nice like acoustic piece that's playing and then a couple of uh, original pieces throughout and, and I mean that was Nancy Willi- uh Nancy Wilson uh, composed that and recorded it and I mean it's not an awful lot to the score there really aren't that many original pieces but what's there is just really really nice and really good I like listening to that too.
0: Yeah, I thought it was great. And I love the fact that he's got this history with Peter Frampton is almost kind of like the Stillwater relationship that he has with Russell towards the end. Mm
1: Because it's
0: like they, I think he reported on him. uh, And so they kind of started a rapport and then he returned the favor, helping writing songs for this movie. And I just think that's really cool. It's cool when people you know you meet your heroes and they're nice to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, he and he uh, Peter Frampton also had a cameo as the Humble Pie road manager and Oh, okay. Yeah, in that card game toward the end.
0: Yeah. And,
1: which is fun because Peter Frampton's band was Humble Pie. So he was oh, playing Oh, I
0: get it. Okay. His own
1: road manager. That's that's a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. Um, the last one I had was just that. According to Cameron Crowe, he sent the script around town to see if anyone could get, you know, if anyone would respond to it. Uh, Steven Spielberg read Crowe's 172-page script over the weekend and called Crowe on Monday, saying, "Direct every word." Uh, so he said, "Almost." He filmed almost all of that script because of Steven's advice.
1: Yeah, uh, I actually have the like the book of the script, the, oh, uh, the awesome. whole screenplay. Yeah, I haven't read it like cover to cover. Uh, I got it a long time ago, just happened upon <laughs> it at a used bookstore. And I was like, there's no way I shouldn't own this. Uh, but I flipped through it. And there are some things that I kind of pick out that like the, the scene is still the same, but the dialogues changed up a little mm. bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean um, I think even at the, I, I meant to go grab it before we started. So I could reference something. I think uh, like at the end of the movie, when uh, the credits are done rolling and everything, it has like a record scratch, like the needles being taken off. Yeah, I think I think he even wrote that in the screenplay. That that's wow. kind of how the movie ends and everything. Um, uh, we're all were those all the facts that you had.
0: That's pretty much it. I mean, it. it I was gonna add too that uh, we're mentioning the script is so perfect. I mean, it did win best screenplay. So
1: yeah, yeah, best original yeah, screenplay. But- so far, the only uh, Cameron Crowe uh, Oscar.
0: Although, you know, he also did Jerry Maguire and that's a pretty big hit. Yeah. Uh, But were you going to add a couple facts? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it.
1: um, Yeah. He originally offered the role of Russell Hammond to Brad Pitt. And I Hmm. think he started rehearsing and maybe even filming some scenes. But at one point, Brad Pitt said, I don't get it enough to be able to do it. Or, oh. or something along those lines so that's when which I like Brad Pitt as kind of like a, a, a someone put it that he has leading man looks but like a supporting actor charm and man I think, that's accurate <laughs> I think if it because he I mean he's so much more fun to watch and you know like Ocean's Eleven where he can be kind of the uh uh you know the almost the comedic relief to the straight man of George Clooney even yeah. though they're both you know handsome leading men Brad Pitt has kind of the mannerisms and sensibilities of this the uh the comic relief so having him as Russell um i don't know i i I can't see it i think he's a little
0: too likable too like not that Billy Crudup isn't likable but there 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 feels like there's an edge to Russell like there's some choices he makes and things that he does where we're not on his side for a while in the movie Mm -hmm. and I think that works better with somebody that can pull that off
1: yeah and uh Billy Crudup you know really wasn't super well known at that point either whereas everyone knew Brad Pitt so like we would bring the baggage of knowing it was Brad Pitt so having someone like Billy Crudup who is perfect in the role Worked better than having like a big name. Um, I agree. Yeah. Also, I believe Penny Lane was offered to Sarah um, hmm. uh Do you know who that is? <laughs> no, <laughs> I okay. just said hmm, like I did, I, but I don't. I, th- I, <laughs> uh, I think she's like a Canadian actress. In, oh, okay, I, I've seen maybe her in if like, I
0: saw her in something, I would. Maybe I've seen her in like
1: concerned. one or two things, and I mean, she's been good in what I've seen her in, but I mean, Kate Hudson just. Is Penny Lane so? I it's, mean, it's crazy,
0: it's, right? Like I, I, almost wish we saw more of her like this because she is really good in this movie. She
1: is so good in this movie, and um, uh, yeah, it's just crazy just thinking that anybody else would have been considered for that role, let alone offered it. I, I'm not sure why Sarah Pauli didn't uh, uh, didn't accept it, but um, uh, li- like I said, she she's been good. She was in uh. <laughs> This isn't exactly the best uh, kind of movie to <laughs> to see somebody's acting chops, but she was the uh, nurse in the Dawn of the Dead remake.
0: Oh, okay, uh, okay. The
1: the the short short blonde. So mm-hmm. I mean, she's I mean, she's a fine actress. It's just I don't know, just something about Kate Hudson as Penny Lane. Again, you know, somebody who really you know didn't have any sort of uh, um, celebrity you know baggage at that point, just yeah completely nailing this role that they were almost you know that was almost made for them so i I can't imagine anybody else in this um in those two roles
0: yeah she embodies the character perfectly i i saw an article and even the writers kind of responded to this as well um people calling her sort of like a manny pixie dream manic pixie dream girl type and i completely disagree i think she's nuanced interesting she's clearly meant to be older than the main character a little wiser a little more worldly i think like all the other characters she's playing a different version of herself like a a version of herself she's trying to project but by the end we really meet her and they sort of end up together but not really like i don't think that it fits those tropes i think she's more nuanced than that um i can kind of see what they mean but it's like ultimately it's not true, you know?
1: Yeah, she. I mean, she has a facade that she's wearing, like Mm -hmm. you said, like most of the other characters. The thing with, like, the manic pixie dream girl trope is that's, like, all there is to the character.
0: Right. There's nothing under the surface. But with her, she's a complex person. Yeah, And she has her own agency outside of the main character, such to where... It's almost like they almost can't get together because she's just in some ways her life is just too different from his, but it's not yeah, it's definitely not that she's paper thin as a character.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, if she was a manic pixie dream girl or just a, a one-dimensional character, they wouldn't have had like the scene where, you know, William tells her that Russell sold her and the other girls out for 50 pu- bucks in a case of beer.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: she just stops and like stares off into the distance and like you know you can see you know tears welling up but she's trying to stay you know brave and strong and mm-hmm. then asks you know what kind of beer
0: you yeah. know
1: she they would not have had that scene if the only point of her character was to be like an ideal you know female you know romance interest for for the the main character. She right. she wouldn't have had that if the point of her character was to serve somebody else's character.
0: Right. And I think, you know, it, it that would not fit the movie because nobody is ideal in this movie. They're just human and I think the movie does a good job of like not necessarily making anybody too bad of a bad guy or too good of a good guy. It's like people are complicated. Um, and we learn that throughout the story with all the characters. So yeah, I, 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 totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any other facts you wanted to throw in?
1: No, no. Let's, okay. Uh, let's keep, uh, tricking along.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned, I just wanted to briefly go over, you, you mentioned that like some of these people were not big names at the time. I mean, now when you go back and look at this cast list, like I have to admit that when I saw this originally also, you know, I didn't know who a lot of these people were. And I think, um, It must have been a couple years since I watched this because I recognize more people than I ever did before. But, I mean, we've got Billy Crudup, as you mentioned, Francis McDormand, Kate Hudson, Jason Lee, Zoe Deschanel did not Mm -hmm. even remember she was in this, Anna Paquin. uh, Yeah. Uh, Feruza Balk um, freaking Philip Seymour Hoffman like it's just Jimmy Fallon like yeah. so many people I did not remember were in this movie uh, Jay, um, uh,
1: Jay Baruchel he's uh, uh-huh. the Zeppelin fan that, oh, that yeah. is always popping up The uh, but he's like so little and you know his voice is so squeaky it's almost <laughs> it's, uh, you almost don't recognize him
0: yeah it's like another big selling point of this movie is just that the cast is great but let's go ahead and dive into the movie itself what right. what are some of your favorite scenes that you want to talk about
1: uh, it, I mean that's so hard because I, I mean like like <laughs> I said it's it's my favorite movie so it's like you know every yeah <laughs> I almost want to go with all of them uh, but ones that you know really stick out well um, and especially with a movie like this like we were talking earlier it's a movie that is more um, a sequence of events and and Uh, various almost like sub stories that just kind of happen in sequence rather than a uh, you know just a straightforward narrative Mm -hmm. Um, so some of the scenes it's almost but but that kind of helps too because you can watch the scene out of context and get what you need out of it you know if you just want to watch it by itself Mm -hmm. Um, some of the scenes I love that I always come back to um, pretty much from the introduction of Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lester Bangs, <laughs> all the well, I mean, all the way uh, like that when they're uh, when he's at, at the radio kind of interview that they have, mm-hmm. and then when he and William go to the diner and talk together. Oh um, yeah, I consider that one scene because, um, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman is just so great. Like, he right. was great in everything. He was great in this. He has some of the best lines in the movie. He does. Um, like, I love when, um, you know, he, uh, he tells... William, you know, uh, you know, everyone must uh, uh, love you. You must be the star of the school. And he's like, you know, well, they all hate me. And he says, uh, you'll meet them again on the long road to the middle, like when <laughs> when uh, the popular people, you know, come down to earth, and then William, you know, grows up. They'll 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 meet right there. I I just love that. It's it's kind of you know a cynical outlook, uh, but it's still just a really good line too. It is. Uh,
0: I think he, he's sort of a, a male father figure of, of sorts in the movie because, uh, you know, his father is uh, absent. Yeah. Um, and, and he really relies on Philip Seymour Hoffman's character as his mentor. And I think he just keeps kind of looking for that a little bit throughout the movie, looking for direction, looking for some responsible adult that can help him. And I think he does get some help, but it's also kind of this... Uh, growth of like oh everyone's kind of just faking it you know and I kind of like that too because it's very realistic
1: yeah and uh just I mean just for some of the one-liners he has in that scene too like I love when he's um in the uh uh, the record not the record studio the uh the radio uh like the, the studio there and he's pulling you know records off the shelves like oh, come on give me a break here and then he pulls <laughs> out the one for the doors and the girl's like I like the doors and uh one of the funniest lines is um you know Jim Morrison's a drunken buffoon masquerading as a poet Give me the guess who, who have the courage to be drunken buffoons, which makes them poetic. And it's <laughs> it's, it's just so, just so funny how um, some of his outlook could be, is like veering on the edge of like elitist and pretentious. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. even, I mean, he still has that kind of acerbic wit that makes him likable and everything.
0: Right, yeah. Uh,
1: is that... um. Uh, another scene that I really like um, is actually from uh, there are two things from the director's cut. So this is kind of cheating. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. No, go for it.
1: One of them that I think they should have uh, left in, it's a radio interview with um, uh, Stillwater uh, with like a local DJ played by Kyle Gass of Tenacious D um, who (laughs) is baked out of his mind the entire time. (laughs) And, the the band you just get to see the band uh, kind of interact together and have fun with each other, mm-hmm. um, which you don't really get to see a lot of in the movie. That's uh, true. It, they're they're the,
0: typically uh, at odds with each other.
1: Yeah, uh, in the theatrical cut, there's not a lot of. Um, uh, you see a lot of uh, Jeff and Russell, uh, but mm. not so much with the, the bass player and the drummer. Yeah. Uh, But then there's another scene that, uh, because I am a bass player myself, when William interviews Larry Fellows, the bass player, he um, asks him, like, what about him makes Stillwater work? Like, what ingredient would they be missing if Larry Fellows was not in the band? And he's just (laughs) like, I don't know, the bass? (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's just really, really funny. Um, yeah, well, he doesn't have uh, like that, that, that
0: inflated ego that the other characters do, I think, you know? Yeah.
1: And I get, I get a lot of, um, mileage out of that too. Like if people just be talking about something randomly and everything, and I'll just be like, I'm just the bass player, man. <laughs> even if it's not talking, about, even if it's not talking about, especially if it's not talking about music, <laughs> I'll throw that in there just for a laugh. Um, but, uh, I mean, then there's, you know, that whole, uh, house party scene. Uh, oh, where, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Where he, you know, gets on the acid and gets on the, uh, the roof. Uh, apparently the line, I am a golden god. Um, Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin yelled that from a New York hotel balcony while he was sober. So, you know, that's oh. a little bit <laughs> different, but um, that's a good scene leading into, you know, Tiny Dancer when, you know, everyone kind of, you know, sort of reconnects and, you know, they learned a little bit. And I other love other that again.
0: song. <laughs> I love Elton John. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that, you know, th- this movie is what we can think for having tiny dancers still be in like pop radio rotation. Seriously. Uh, Cause I don't think it was that popular of a song up until that point, but mm. now, I mean, you can, you can turn on, you know, adult contemporary rock stations now and wait 20 minutes and tiny dancer will probably come on.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh,
1: but that that's a great scene. Uh, I know Cameron Crowe has said his favorite scene in the whole movie And knowing that made me look at it a little bit differently is um, uh, the scene. It's fairly late in the movie, but um, I think the song is The Wind by Cat Stevens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Penny is just in like the high school auditorium, uh, just kind of dancing and twirling around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like the day after, you know, the show, there's still the trash there, but nobody like there's nobody else there. And she's just kind of, you know, just doing her thing, just enjoying living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing that it's, you know, the director's favorite scene, you know, made me look at it differently. And I mean, it's shot gorgeously. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the the wide camera angles that he uses are great. Uh, the cinematography in that scene is just just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um. So I like that, and um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else off the top of my head that that really that that I really really love and and enjoy and everything. Uh, what What about you? What are some of your your favorite? I I've been rambling on and oh, on. Oh no, you're I mean,
0: fine. We both uh, love this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I um, you know, I I think I just really enjoy Penny Lane. So a lot of her scenes are my favorite. Uh, maybe not specifically a scene, but something I noticed this time that I didn't notice before was how similar... And I don't mean this like in a weird, creepy way, but how similar Penny Lane is to Zoe Deschanel's character. Like how similar she is to his sister. Did you ever notice that?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, even... Uh, well i hadn't made that connection no uh so to so not yeah but uh, uh i'm i'm definitely agreeing because uh <laughs> i i never really thought of it but i mean it totally makes sense because he has you know like a crush on her because uh, i mean he's so much younger than her mm-hmm. and you know she's got this you know beautiful mystique of the rock star rock and roll lifestyle and everything right and i mean you know uh, you know forgive me for that but i mean she's being friendly and acknowledging him and, you know, paying attention to him and everything. So, I mean, you know, developing a crush on her would almost be expected of a 15 year old boy. Oh, definitely. Uh, Yeah. She's um, like
0: so cool. She's so much cooler than him too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, that's the last thing that his sister said is one day you'll be cool. And Mm -hmm. she like left him the, almost the recipe for him to become cool. And, Penny Lane and everything that she represents in that whole lifestyle that she comes from and represents is, like, the embodiment of what his sister told him would make him cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hadn't necessarily thought of that, but, yeah, that's a great point.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, like, I, I had heard some criticisms of, like, I think just... Uh, Inevitably, they have to explore like this, the groupie culture. Right. Um, But I think that it does it really well. And when you really think about it, like his relationship with his mother and his sister being this like older, cool presence that introduces him to rock and roll and how I think complex, actually, Penny Lane and the other girls are um, ultimately is interesting. And they sort of represent to me they're kind of like what the rock stars are and what he is in a weird way. It's like everyone claims that it's all about the music. Right. Right. And there's this stigma with the groupies, which is why they call themselves band-aids. They're like, Oh, we're different. We're so much better than that. We're about the music. But then when you look at their lifestyle, ultimately what it really ends up meaning is that they're sleeping with rock stars, staying in expensive hotels and, putting their actual life off, you know? And right. it's like, I, I like that because it ends up uh, at the end, a really, a really great scene I like is when Russell's eating um, with uh, Sapphire. Yeah, yeah. And she has that moment where she says, look at these new girls, man. You know, they're so, they don't know what they're doing. Da, da. And she's like putting them down and she says, I really love the music. And the way that he looks at her in that moment where he like finally has this aha moment Of like, wow, like these people, they truly love the music as much as I do. Like they matter. And I think Russell's taken a while to sort of, he he treats everybody bad, really. His wife, you know, uh, William, everyone around him is sort of his own band. It's like he's so important and so much more important. He surpasses, like you said, everybody. He
1: he really thought he was a golden god. Whether he realized he actually said that or not. He thought he was on that pedestal.
0: And then he sees the the sort of hurt, the yearning in, in her face and how she's, again, trying to say, like, I'm not that. I'm so different. I, I'm important. I matter. And that really is the catalyst for him to go and try to apologize and uh, also seek out Penny Lane. And I, I just thought that was a really nice moment because I think – I just thought that was cool that they acknowledged that and – Um, yeah I just think it's neat it's kind of multi-layered for me
1: yeah and another thing that you know popped up like we were talking earlier with um, uh, Penny Lane's character being quote-unquote the manic pixie dream girl and uh, you know the beer line but when she you know uh, overdoses and William comes to you know save her um, you know she is you know just uh, not in her right mind you know uh, you know right mental facilities or whatever mm-hmm. but you know I mean she just looks at William sadly and says you know why doesn't he love me so yeah, and I, yeah and I mean and again that's the fact that you know she is a real person in this movie and yeah. and William is a real person that is that's the moment right there where I feel like you know William realized that you know the glamour of everything that you know he was trying to be a part of when he realized that you know these people are just as you know broken and messed up as i am yeah so yeah, absolutely so they're so what they were trying to sell to me they don't even believe it and i'm seeing it right now where it doesn't work so um you know it's it's great it's uh, uh, the the movie generally just has you know has a very positive you know optimistic almost light tone but it does get fairly heavy at certain points yeah for and
0: sure.
1: and it handles those kind of the tonal i wouldn't even say shift because uh it doesn't just become a completely different type of movie no, uh no. but it does it does have a really good balance in a lot of those scenes when they need to have more weight and gravity
0: Absolutely. Like there's plenty of humor in the movie and really fun moments. But yeah, that that scene is tough. And then, you know, it really snaps him out of it. I like when they're they those, uh, I guess the doctor and the hotel person come and try to revive her and they they act like, okay, this is like the thousandth time we've done this. Right, you right. take? Da, da, da. And, um, and he's watching that, you know, and how like, this is this girl that was so cool that he's got a crush on. And it's just so disillusioning to see her like this. It's And I like the way they keep panning back to his face and the shock on his face of like, whoa, this is like not what I want.
1: Yeah, like, I
0: love her, but I I need to go home. Like, this is, right. you know. Th-
1: yeah, this this is not what I send <laughs> up. for. And the the music in that scene is, mm-hmm. uh, is a Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, which is just such a sad song. Yeah. And it really drives that
0: home. Yeah. Yeah. So those are I mean, I guess I, I don't know if I love that scene, but it's good. It's really yes. good. Um, I like the plane scene, too. Yes. I mean, that that part's just fun. Um, I'm terrified of tiny planes. <laughs> um, I just think they're a bad idea. We've lost a lot of legends that way. Um, And so like and that scene is really, you know, crazy. And we've all kind of been on a plane where there's t- horrible turbulence and we're just like, this is it you know so it's it's very relatable too um and everyone's like confessing you know everyone's being real again this theme of like being real um they all start kind of speaking their truth um, oh, J-
1: Jimmy Jimmy Fallon's "I Once Hit a Man in Dearborn, <laughs> Michigan" is amazing. Um, I think Leah Michelle from Glee. Um, I-, I think my wife was watching like an episode of Jimmy Fallon, like from a couple of years ago, uh-huh. and she came on there and like spouted off that entire little, you know, monologue right there, like verbatim, That's and great. it blew his mind. And, it was- <laughs> and I was like, I know that
0: scene. <laughs> i love it and then they all they all live and they're all just like well shit we said completely honest things just now that i did not want to say and it's just i think that's just perfect (laughs) yeah and uh,
1: and then when russell says you know just you know print what you want uh write what you want and then they find out later you know that he wrote everything and they're like what what the heck man did you i tell love when jason lee's
0: like i sound like a dick and then, and then- <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah you can hear one of them saying you are <laughs> like, yeah his breath.
0: <laughs> and then russell's like maybe we just don't see ourselves how we really are and i love that line because it's like that's true for all of us you know in general yeah. Not to be too deep, but I mean, it is. And so like we all have this perceived perception, uh, you know, a mask we want to wear, a front that we put out there. And especially for someone who's famous, uh, it's a well-crafted image and, you know, but people don't want that necessarily. They want what's real. Um, That's what's appealing to Rolling Stone. So uh, and, and William knows that. And he I love that he's told so often, we've mentioned that uh, Lester Bang says, you know, you're not their friends. Don't be their friends. What's important is that you tell the truth. Yeah. And I feel like that is something when you're in high school, that would be like impossible to grasp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's right. almost like your parents saying, you know, high school is not important. Just be yourself. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that is such... BS like I have to be really cool and like everyone has to like me and then the older you get the more you're like man that's really really true yeah and I I love that that he has that arc
1: yeah, that yeah that comes back to uh Lester's line about, you know, you know, meeting them in the middle. It's like, you know, eventually yeah. their popularity will fade away and even if you don't become cool, you'll at least become a real person. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh you know, once you know they're they come down and you're brought up, you know, everyone just kind of meets and we just we just live, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought of one more scene. We kind of already touched on it, but when Zoe Deschanel uh slips him the or she tells him to check under his bed. Mm -hmm. and he checks under his bed and he puts the records on um i relate to that part because and i have mentioned it on the show several times not saying anything bad about my parents but they're pretty (laughs) conservative and so i often listen to rock and roll you know pop everything pretty much in secret um i actually revealed the other day to one of my parents i was like I remember buying Nine Inch Nails because you really did not want me to listen (laughs) to that. And I thought it was so freaking awesome for listening to it. I was like, wow, my mind is blown. And so like that's ah, that's just so relatable to be a teenager and discover, you know, quote unquote real music for the first time. And I just I just really love that scene.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny because, you know, thinking about the music he finds is relatively tame to compared to that. So right, it's, I know. It, it it just, it's
0: definitely, I don't actually recommend any 10-year-olds go out and buy <laughs> Downward Spiral, but I did.
1: If your head's like I was a probably hole, I 10, guess but, you can. I don't, yeah. know, I, don't
0: know. I don't even remember when that came out. I was probably older than that. But anyways, regardless, not exactly yeah. kid-friendly. No, no, no. no.
1: Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's really good. A um, really good scene. And uh, there was one line, you brought up uh, Jason Lee's character, which, I mean, he's also great, just as kind of I a, really
0: enjoy him in this movie, yeah.
1: <laughs> like the pompous thinking he has like all these profound insights and you know like rock and roll can save the world and everything. I love the part where he uh, you know they're they're getting heated uh, it's after you know the little t-shirt snafu oh I love um, the
0: t-shirt scene too <laughs> where he's
1: all like uh, you know I you know I have the I'm the hardest working person in this band I get people <laughs> off I find the one guy in the crowd who's not getting off and I make him get off actually <laughs> that you can print <laughs> so I love, I, love, that. I love that he had this accidental moment of profundity that he's like oh wait that was really good so I'm gonna be super cool rock star real quick here
0: yeah very cool everyone gets off when I play okay yeah yeah <laughs> uh
1: but um yeah oh gosh again I'm just such a great guy and yeah. you got like Rain Wilson is uh one of the Rolling Stone uh editors Did oh you... I forgot
0: about that I yeah. saw him, but it literally left my mind until you just said that.
1: <laughs> and uh, Eric Stone Street from Modern Family, he was like uh, one of the hotel like clerks. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty early on, but but yeah, I mean just to that point, it's like this movie was like a springboard for so many careers for so many household names. Now, yeah, um, I mean Billy Crudup. I haven't seen everything he's in, but I mean everything I've seen him in, he's good.
0: I just think of Watchmen usually. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. He was great as Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think he, he was in uh, the, the third mission impossible movie for like 10 minutes. He mm-hmm. was pretty good in that. And uh, just a lot of, he was in spotlight. He had a really, really good scene in that movie. Mm. And um, yeah. So, but him, Francis McDormand has always been great. You know, um, you know, Kate Hudson hasn't achieved the same level of, it's almost like uh you know, Kate Hudson can almost be forgiven for any not great career choice she's made because Almost <laughs> Famous was so good. I
0: agree. I agree. Um, and
1: then yeah, like Anna Paquin, Jay uh, Baruchel, and um, you know uh, just all the all these other people. And Jason Lee, you know, uh, had you know pretty uh, was pretty popular with My Name Is Earl for a while.
0: Yeah, and, that's uh, right.
1: Uh, so I mean, just such a such a good cast and such great writing, such great directing and editing. One thing one thing that I noticed in watching the theatrical cut after having watched the director's cut for so long mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's it's a two hour and like five minute movie, but mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is tight. Um, I agree. Yeah. It got nominated for an Oscar for best editing, and I mean, yeah. it's easy to see why because I mean, it just moves.
0: It does. Uh, Cause and, it could, uh, it could feel long because I mean, they go to like so many cities, they go to so many different locations, a lot happens in those yeah. two hours. Yeah. yeah,
1: And there, I mean, there's stuff that like when they, they actually get to New York, um, and you know, are driving into the city, there's still a good, like 45 minutes of movie left after that. But it feels yeah. like, it feels like we've been on such a, you know, such a journey with all these characters at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I can't think of another big scene that, that um, I think we touched on all of them. What about you?
1: Uh, I mean, I just love the poetry at the end of Russell calling Penny to yeah. try to make up with her. And she has him go to William's house. because Yeah, that's her, I mean,
0: that's her growth moment. She finally, he says everything that she always wanted to hear him say. And she's like, you know what? I don't want that. I thought I did, but I realized like it it's way past too late. And uh, but here's what you should do. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and and Russell even tells William he's like, I guess she wanted us to to be together in the end, you know, because what you were wanting and needing to do, and I was preventing you from doing. um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, is uh, she realized that it's better for both of us if you know. I speak the truth, and you write it, mm-hmm. and um, it's just such a great end. In- uh, just such a great ending.
0: I love too when the mom goes, "I knew we connected," because <laughs> yeah. she remembers talking to him on the phone.
1: Yeah, uh, apparently, uh, you know, in most movies, uh, you know, they just—I uh, guess they either just pantomime, well maybe not pantomime—but you know, they just you know recite their lines. Uh, they're probably you know cued by somebody off off screen or off camera so -hmm. they know when to say what lines apparently francis mcdormand was on the other end of the line in that so i wonder if um uh, billy crudup was just so caught up in her being you know a mom in that moment (laughs) that some of that wasn't actually acting because (laughs) francis mcdormand could really could really pull it out and lay it in lay into him
0: she, yeah, that would intimidate me, especially, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's intimidating. I love tough moms. Uh, Nick and I just rewatched Lady Bird the other day and I'm like, there's just something about a whip smart, tough mom. <laughs> that is just fun to watch.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. I oh, really need you to. you should.
0: Yeah. It's good. The
1: uh, Saoirse Ronan, the Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's pretty light. I think it, it oh, very slice cool. of life too. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that brings us to our last couple of questions then. Unless, do you have some more scenes? I don't no, no, you. Okay. no. I okay, think we're good. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of already touched on this already. In fact, we've touched on this in the entire time, as I always say. Uh, <laughs> why have you seen this movie so many times? Uh,
1: I mean, at this point, it, uh, like, uh, like I said, like you said, like I said a couple of times, was, uh, I mean, it's almost... <laughs> yeah it's almost like you're going on this journey with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, when you posted, you were watching this uh, the other day in the, in the Facebook group and Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Rooney, I think said, you know, when you're watching this, you are home because Penny has that, has that line. It's, it's, it's almost like that. It's, it's like um, reconnecting with old friends. It's uh, going back on this journey uh, with these people that you, have come to know so much over the years from watching the movie so much, but you get to know so well over the course of the film. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like I said, I I've, but when I saw the movie, I don't think I had gotten into playing music yet, but I mean, music is just so ingrained and integral to everybody's life. So every, I mean, everybody has a connection to some to music on some level. Um, so it's kind of a, kind of a universal story in that regard, uh, just about, you know, the, you know, the rock and roll of, you know, the late sixties and early seventies. Uh, but I've always just loved the, the romance of, you know, journalism and being a writer and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, everything to the point that I've tried to do that myself to varying degrees of success over the years. Uh, <laughs> but, um, just, just finding this thing, like I said, it's, it's, it's a movie that even if I didn't realize a the theme of, you know, belonging and togetherness uh, before, that's, ki- that's kind of what it feels like. It's just something where, uh, you know, people find out where they fit, what they what and find out things about themselves so they can grow as people because nobody really ends this movie in the same way that they were.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: You uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier. There's really not a villain in the movie. There's not a bad mm-hmm. guy, but nobody's perfect either. Um, uh, I love I love at the end when um, you know their their mom uh, Elaine tells uh, Anita you know his sister uh, you know I forgive you. And she says, you know, I didn't apologize, and then they just start laughing, like yeah, they—they're they, too they,
0: alike yeah, well, <laughs> in different there's, ways. <laughs> there's,
1: yeah, there's that, but then they both had that catharsis at that point of mm-hmm. recognizing, you know, even though I'm never going to totally get this person, I still love them. Yeah, so it's very so sweet. E- even though they didn't have like a major focus in the movie, they still had a growth moment where they became different and better as characters and people because of 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 uh what they uh you know just what they went through through the whole thing.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think for me I very much relate to William as a character as I mentioned earlier because I I feel like I felt that way. Like I'm pretty much my whole high school. Sometimes I still feel like him a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's just so real of, you know, just sort of trying to fake it and, and try to understand where everybody else is at. And always feeling like you're kind of behind them a little bit. I, I, I relate to that a lot. Um, and I don't know, just, I love the, the music in the movie and I love all the characters and the dialogue. We've already mentioned a few times. It's just so good. Um, And I I like everyone's character arc. I think it it wraps up in a nice bow. Um, Yeah, I I asked my husband when we were watching it recently, um, you know, there's that scene where Russell sells Penny for some beers to another band. And I said, do you feel like he's truly redeemed at the end? Like, do you feel like his character's redeemed? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, I do too. I feel like everybody has you know, a, a low point in the film and then sort of a, 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 a good wrap up at the end. Um, he's just human. And I don't think he wanted to do that in that scene. He was pressured by the other, uh, you know, band members or the other rock stars. And he even says to Penny, like, I think I wanted to be with you. So like, in a way, he wasn't being honest with himself. He didn't really want to stay in the marriage he was in. He loved her, but I think loving her made her, him too vulnerable um and he realizes that at the end of the movie
1: yeah and one thing that just kind of dawned on me that I kind of kind of realized uh shows the growth of the band themselves is um th- throughout most of the movie Doris who is you know the bus and we forgot to mention oh Doris, yeah, Doris. who is the heart and soul of the band
0: <laughs> they literally um, say that
1: yeah yeah the uh the uh, uh on the uh, the front of the bus, there's you know it has like a little you know placard or something uh, that says like almost famous tour. So
0: oh okay okay.
1: So, I mean, until that point, you know, they were they were chasing fame and they were chasing, uh, you know, trying to be better than what they were, but also feeling like, you know, they had to be these, you know, huge rock stars Uh, effectively going, you know, going for like we've been talking about, you know, so much is that they were thinking more highly of themselves than they needed to
0: yeah um, they didn't need that validation like they thought they did yeah
1: exactly so at the very end of the movie uh, when the bus is driving off that says no more airplanes tour i love so, that <laughs> so now now they're able to laugh and not have to take themselves so seriously because mm-hmm. they were saying that they were doing it for the music uh, you know when really they were wanting to get famous but now yeah, it's like, they were doing you know it what? for
0: the jets the girls the money yeah it was but now it's like hey let's go back to what actually makes us happy
1: yeah let, let's just you know go out there play some great tunes and you know have a good time so have, having that little stinger at the end of showing that they don't really take themselves too seriously anymore is just a really nice cap for the uh for the movie
0: I feel like movies like this have done such a good job of convincing me that I don't want to be famous. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, maybe that's a that's a trick to to keep me happy where I am, but it, it's definitely worked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, how would you pitch this movie to someone that's never seen it before?
1: Uh, I would just say that I mean, it's a uh, just a great, well written, enacted. You know, just a. Uh, Piece of, like we said earlier, it's kind of a slice of life movie where it's um, just kind of makes you feel good the whole time, even when uh, it gets heavier and touches on some deeper themes. It's just a very positive movie that, um, again, just a very it's it's very warm and welcoming. Um, mm-hmm. In his, uh, like, I know Roger Ebert loved this movie. And I think in his review, he said that he was, like, almost hugging himself when the movie was over. Just he felt that good uh, after watching it. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it's just a very, in the best possible way, it's a feel-good movie. Not that it's cloying or, you know, twee or anything, but it just makes you feel like you have gotten to know some really flawed but still really likable characters
0: yeah Uh, yeah, absolutely
1: and and yeah listen to some great tunes along the way
0: (laughs) yeah I completely agree I think you know we mentioned earlier it doesn't dive too deeply into like oh sex rock and roll drugs look at how this destroys people's lives it's like I think sometimes when you lean in that a little too heavy you're not being honest because it's like, okay, there's something about all this that's appealing to people, right? Like, if we're honest, like, everyone uh, finds this lifestyle on some level appealing. It's it's glamorous. It's attractive. Um, and I think it's better when you're honest and you kind of show both sides. Um, and I think the movie is very optimistic, you know, even when people make mistakes or they do bad things at their heart they're good people and I think that's kind of refreshing too because I think in another version of this movie it's like he would find out that they are you know the worst people ever and there's just no redeeming them but really at the end it's like they're you know a a few good guys that grew up together that love music and he loves music and Penny loves music and everybody loves music and that's heartwarming and it should be you know
1: yeah and I mean what makes me want to come back to this movie is it's a I mean it's kind of the the answer is in the question right there yeah. it's a it's a movie that you want to come back to it's yeah. it's entertaining uh it's easy to watch it's right. uh, uh, I mean i I enjoy watching something that's heavy and cerebral and you know uh, makes you think and you know all this stuff. not to say that this movie doesn't make you think but uh but something that actually uh, you know so, uh, like a movie that is quote unquote about something and uh, is uh exists to almost challenge you mm-hmm. I'm fine with that but you don't always want to pop those kind of movies in right. you know, just to watch because you know you need to feel good at the end of a bad day this right. is a movie yeah. that will make you feel good at the end of a bad day
0: I, I completely agree that's a great selling point um well jay thank you so much for coming on today yeah. and for uh for picking this movie uh you're gonna have to think about what movie you would talk about if you came back on
1: yeah if you if you'll have me i'll gladly oh, uh, definitely come back have a have a have a couple of others that i'd like to talk about
0: awesome well um yes yeah, shoot those over to me let me know and uh is there any last thing that you need to plug or anything like that
1: uh, no, I mean, I'm just a uh, you know, basic, basic sign off of uh, where people can find me. Uh, if, yeah. uh, if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah um, go for it. Uh, my personal handle on Twitter is at j a y a w s. It's just a portmanteau of my first and last name, uh, just smushed together. Um, you can find me uh, pretty much daily writing uh, reviews and. Uh, news items and posts for my website, which again is comics-now.com. I um, find uh, the show on Twitter and Instagram at Comics Now Cast. And uh, uh, if you don't mind me plugging, we also have a Patreon. It's patreon.com. Yeah, it. Patreon.com slash comics now. Um, and uh, yeah, just, uh, you just reach out to me. I'm active on Twitter. I'm in the uh, the I Love That Movie group. Which uh, Yeah, come say I'm hey. Sh- I'm sure you'll plug, you'll plug in a few minutes here, but uh, Yeah. yeah, I'm all over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, wherever just, uh, uh, just, yeah, yeah, you can find me.
0: Yep. Yeah, guys, that's a good point. Uh, You can always join us for conversation in the Facebook group. I love that movie. It's closed, but if you send a request, I'll add you, basically. The only people I keep out are, like, bots. Uh, (laughs) We also have a Discord if you are not a huge fan of Facebook, and that's, like, real-time chatting. Um, But, yeah, uh, thank you again for coming on, and I hope to uh, talk to you again soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much again.